Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave. I'm the host of the Military Millionaire Podcast, and today we have an exciting episode with Matt DeBoth. Matt was a force reconnaissance Marine for eight years who took the leap, literally took a leap, and bought a 20-unit apartment house hack, virtually sight unseen, while deployed to Afghanistan to get into real estate investing. Fast forward a few years, and he owns 142 units, and he is just crushing it. This is a super cool episode, lots of fun. I had a great time talking to this guy, so stay tuned because it's going to be a good time. Now, if this is your first time joining us, thanks for joining us. And if not, welcome back. The show notes are found at FromMilitaryToMillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey guys, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the roadblock to success for military members in getting started in real estate investing. For many of us, the barriers of time, location, and not having the right knowledge keep us from building wealth while serving our country. Well, let me tell you about Storehouse 310 Ventures. They get it. Storehouse 310 Ventures is owned by two active duty naval officers that love to make investing fun, lucrative, and have a passion for education, theirs and yours alike. They offer full turnkey rental properties in a market where the numbers make sense. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Milwaukee, home to the almost 2018 division titled Milwaukee Brewers, the well-known Miller Brewing Company, and a lot of delicious cheese. Storehouse 310's properties are fully renovated, leased, and have property management in place. Through their rigorous analysis and selection process, they do everything possible to ensure each rental property meets their high standards and offers fantastic returns. Storehouse 310's allows you to invest with confidence while you are living out of state. They have a network of lenders, insurance companies, contractors, a title company, and much more to serve you all along the way. There is absolutely no reason not to get started when you have the right teams and system in place. David and Stu, the owners of Storehouse 310, have been investing themselves for over 15 years. They are on a mission to help as many active duty, reserves, and military veterans create financial freedom through the power of real estate investing. They are honest, transparent, and they prioritize service and giving. They have even committed to give the first 10% of their profits to partner nonprofit organizations that support veteran causes. For more information about their program, send an email to podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Again, that is podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Tell David and Stu you heard about them through the Military Millionaire Podcast, and they will get you going down the right path. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military Millionaire, and I'm here with Matt DeBoth, who, well, he and I hit it off. We've been talking for like 30 minutes here before actually hitting record. So Matt was in the Marine Corps. He was a force recon Marine, which means that I feel like I have to throw the disclaimer out there that there's probably going to be a little bit more swearing in this episode than most of my episodes. So if that bothers you, turn it off. We're a military podcast. You'll probably be all right. But uh, we're uh, drinking some beer and talking some real estate, so it's going to be a good one. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Why don't you? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's hear your story. Okay, so I graduated high school, uh, joined the Marine Corps in 2003. I got out in 2011. I was in the Marine Corps as a uh, force recon Marine. I did multiple deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, my last deployment, I was 
ready to get out of the Marine Corps. The wars were winding down. I didn't want to do foot locker inspections and all that crap anymore. So <clears throat> I really, I really had nothing else going for me. So I thought I was going to get into, into real estate. I started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Think and Grow Rich. And uh, on my last deployment, I was looking seriously into buying some sort of multifamily property, whether it was a duplex or, or bigger. And uh, I came across a 20 unit apartment complex while I was in Afghanistan. Uh, I hit the realtor up and I said, hey, I'm interested in this. What can you tell me about it? She gave me all the details. I ran the number. I was working spreadsheets. Uh, back then, there, I mean, there was no bigger pockets. There was no, you know, military to millionaire. There was no big website that you could get on that do all this. So I was just reading books and everything. Uh, got the website or got the information from the realtor, plugged it all in, thought it would work. I knew it was way out of my price range told her that and she said, Hey, you know, they're willing to sell on contract, come over with the money. So I would go out on these three, four, five day missions, you know, slinging lead with Terry Taliban, come back for 24 to 48 hours to regroup. And in that two or three hours you have between weapon maintenance, gear, body and chow, eating all that stuff. I was reading books and getting, getting numbers, checking my email on my, I don't know, dial up internet, whatever they had over there, <laughs> got it all, got all the numbers I needed, plugged it into my spreadsheet. I thought, Hey, this is a good idea. Talked to the uh, seller turned out to be a great, great deal. He gave me a chance and then and came back from Afghanistan in May or June of 2011, got out in the end of August of 2011, bought the place on contract. I basically house hacked a 20 unit apartment complex. Uh, lived there for a year and a half and then how like I got set on fire I just started buying houses left and right and flipping houses doing everything I could to grow my portfolio and I had that uh, that TSP thrift savings plan in the Marine Corps and you know I was getting out and they I called them and they said you know you're only I don't remember what it was I think I was only going to get nine thousand bucks after taxes and i thought i spent eight years of my life in the marine corps and i'm gonna get eight or nine thousand dollars i think it was a little shy of nine thousand bucks back i took that money out i paid the taxes on the penalty i ended up buying a single family home flipping it i think i made about three times of what my tsp account was but after that i was hooked i mean it was like crack i was like this is I'm never going to work for anybody. I, I spent eight years in the Marine Corps getting told, you know, how to stand, how to get my hair cut, where to go on my weekends. And I thought, I'm not ever doing this again. So I'm just going to buy real estate. And I've been buying much as I possibly can. I got right now I'm at 142 units here in two days. I closed on a 48 unit property. By the time this airs, I'll, I've already closed on and hopefully I've been flipping a couple of units and increasing the NOI. 190 by the man that's killer 142 yeah but you had the 48 you'll be at 190 here in a couple weeks no 142 with the oh, oh okay 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 sorry after, after it. here i am i'm gonna go and like pump your episode up and you're gonna be like that's not what i said uh, <laughs> still that's I awesome i i love the fact in fact okay so it's funny so you mentioned the 20 unit from afghanistan and you like house act 
So I texted my wife last week and was like, yo, why are we not already out of the military? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, there's a 12 unit and the 12th unit is a three bed, two bath with a two car garage, big enough for us to live in. That just came on the market in the market that we want to go live in. I was like, it would be the perfect house set because there's 11 other units that would pay everything. I was like, but between, you know, all the other stuff we got going on, I was like, I don't have the capital to dump into it right now. And it doesn't really make sense unless we're able to live in it and whatever. I'm still looking at it. We're, we haven't written an offer yet, but I'm running the numbers, but I was like, man, that'd be the perfect house act. So it's kind of cool to hear that you did that with a 20 unit and, and really that you did it with a 20 unit with like basically sight unseen when you started negotiating, which is just what a cool first deal. I was desperate. I just, I had my goal set. I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't even have, he, the guy wanted $50,000 for a down payment and I didn't have the 50 grand but I was in Afghanistan. I wasn't saving any, or I wasn't spending any money. I was saving my money. So I had a little bit of savings account. I took a cash advance out on my credit card. I borrowed money from lending club for the peer to peer lending. I ended up getting the whole down payment, uh, paying him while when I was on terminal leave. So I was still legally active duty house act to think lived in it. And I mean, that's pretty much day one. I jumped in, I jumped and then built my parachute on the way down just to learn what I did. I love it. So <laughs> how, how did that one work out? Like as far as uh, deals, now that you've got some experience, how do you feel like that 20 unit worked out just going for it? Oh man. So I, I bought the place sight on pretty much sight unseen. I, uh, oh man, I don't know if I'd ever do it again. I think my terms were, 12 and a half percent interest interest only for six months the guy gave the guy gave me a break to get it, my foot in the door but i had to pay for it mm. so it was like poker i had to pay to play yeah but i mean i bought the place for five hundred thousand, and two and a half years later it appraised for 1.1 so yeah. i did great i mean it was a grand slam but i mean it, it was 2011 when i bought it so you know it, it was a great time to buy. So don't give me all that credit, but I mean, I house hacked it. I learned pretty much everything I did from reading books and looking on the internet, house hacking it and property management. After that, it was, it was all downhill. I was like, man, this is easy. I don't know why I didn't do this years ago. I love it. And what I really love about it is that essentially every excuse that people allow themselves to have for not getting started in real estate you had, and so you had, you had no money. You didn't have a team. You were not super familiar with the market because you'd never, you hadn't even really been digging into properties there. I mean, you probably knew the place, but like whatever. You had never bought a property before, so you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't even have bigger pockets, which all of us are familiar with, or other big forums. And you didn't have a mentor. You were like, screw it, let's do this. What's the worst that can happen? Let me just, like you said, jump out the airplane and we'll figure it out on the way down. And I think yeah. that's crazy because so many people let little things stop them. And it's like, Hey, you know, not to say don't, don't go buy like something stupid, but if it makes sense, like just take the action and things will fall into place because whether that was your best deal or not, which, you know, I mean, a, a double in equity or a double, 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 a 200% increase in property value is uh, quite solid. But even if that hadn't been the case, the stuff you would have learned from that would have just, I mean, you've got 142 units now. So it's clearly doing all right for you. Yeah, I was, I was at a point where I was getting out of the Marine Corps and I could either 
there was a few different roads for me to go down. I was either A, going to go down the, I'm going to go to college, get a degree in something I don't know anything about, or B, I'm a force recon Marine with every school imaginable under my belt. So I'm going to go contracting for a few years and make six digits a year. Or C, I can take this leap of faith and if it doesn't work out, the worst that can happen, I can fall on my face and be in debt and join the Marine Corps again and then go back to Afghanistan and, you know, playing games with Terry Taliban. So it was, it was, a, it was a gamble, but I knew between reading and the numbers, because the numbers don't lie, I knew it was a calculated risk that I was willing to take and I knew it was going to pan out the way I wanted it to. And I knew it was going to be not only help me get financially independent, but it was going to be a wealth generator for me to use to cross collateralize to buy other real estate, which is what I do now is basically cross collateralize. I basically, I burr, use the burr method to buy apartment buildings. So, I mean, it, it's, it's working great. I'm glad I took it. If I had to do it all again, I would. From day one, I would start all over again and just just take that leap of faith because the, the, the worst outcome was still, still wasn't that bad. I mean, I, you know, go to college and everything and getting your GI bill, that was one route to go. And I just looked at it and was like, yeah, I'm probably going to end up doing that. And I just, I figured I'd start doing real estate and that's where I'm at now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, okay. So you said cross collateralized. And I'm curious if you could explain that a little bit, because I have never heard that specific term, although I think I know what you're talking about. Um, but it's All right. Something. So cross-collateralization. Do not tell Rod Cleese this, because he does not like it. Okay. So cross-collateralization is where you use one property to buy another property. So basically what I do now is I use the Burr method on apartment complexes. But instead of coming up with the 20% for a down payment and then the other amount of money for the capital expenditures, I just use what leverage I have in another property. So <clears throat> I, buy an, I buy an apartment that's valued at a million dollars, but I'm only paying $500,000 for it. So I've got $500,000 worth of equity in it. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I mean, you could use that as to go with a bank. That's two and a half million dollars worth of buying power right there. So I'm basically, I'm not putting any money down. I'm not putting any money into the deal. I'm just roll. I just keep rolling the ball over and over and over again to buy these properties. And I mean, it's, you gotta be careful when you do it, but you know, you gotta buy cash flowing assets. You have to buy in the stable market that you've researched and you have to be careful not to over leverage. So those are the three things that people people are getting scared of, especially in this market, that's what's going to kill them is if they break one of those three rules. But basically what I'm doing is buying the apartment complex at pennies on the dollar, putting the money that I need to, that I'm borrowing from the bank into the apartment complex, raising the rent. And then within six to 12 months, I can have it reappraised, have it refinanced because usually I get it on an interest only loan anyways. And then that apartment building stands on its own. So now it's not cross collateralized with anything else. It's not tied to anything else. So worst case scenario, I have, you know, just for number's sake, I have a million dollar property right now. The market crashes. I lose 50% of it. It's worth 500,000. I've 
still only owe 500,000 on that property. But the cash flow that I have coming from it is still paying that it's worth a million dollars. So I'm still cash flow positive. I'm still in a good market. And I'm not going to sell any properties that I bought in the crappy market because, you know, they're all long-term holds. I want to, I want to pay these off for 10, 20, 30 years and maybe even pass them down to my kids. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. And I like the, uh, you talking about the cash flow piece if the market crashes, which is, is huge. Cause as long as I try to tell people this all the time, like, yeah, sure. Market might tank again. Yeah. Got it. But as long as your property is paying for your mortgage, it becomes easy, not easy per se. It's still, you still got to have the mental discipline, but it becomes easier to just say, okay, well, that's great, but I'm still breaking, even if it's just breaking even, right? Even if you're only, even if you have to fork out a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, whatever. But most of those properties, like, you're still cash flowing. So if you're still cash flowing, who cares what the value of the property is? Wait and sell it later. Yep. That's yeah. Huge. So my, my biggest thing is, so I've got certain parameters that I, that I look at when I buy apartment complexes. So usually the bank's looking for a 1.2 DSCR, a debt service coverage ratio. My very bare minimum is a 1.5. And that needs to be, I need to be able to bump rents day one. I need to be able to kick out who I need to kick out so I can bump up rents or revitalize the property or stabilize it. But that is my minimum. And you know, you always got people that are saying, oh, don't buy because the market's overinflated or, you know, it's, it's just a bad time to buy. to buy. You know, if I buy a million dollar property and the next day it's only worth four bucks, I don't care because when I bought it, it's still cash flowing great. It's paying my million dollar or my half million dollar mortgage because I bought it at 50% value. It's still putting money in my pocket. It's paying my, you know, all my bills. It's paying my vendors. So I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I'll sell my properties when I want to sell, not when I need to sell. So that million or that million dollar property I bought at 500,000, I'm not going to sell it when it's at six, seven, 800,000. I'm going to hold it for 10, 15, 20 years. I'm going to sell it when it's worth three, four, five million dollars. So that's where I need to play the game is <clears throat> I need, it's like a teeter totter. I need to, balance cash flow with appreciation. I'm not only buying on appreciation, I'm buying mostly on cash flow, but I've got the appreciation in my back pocket that I'm also banking on in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, that's, that's true. So I'm going to ask if you would not mind if you give a brief explanation of the debt service coverage ratio, because I don't believe that's come up in a podcast yet. And my sure that there are some of my listeners who have no idea what that big thing means. All right. So debt service coverage ratio is uh, basically it is a where your NOI can cover your mortgage. So if your NOI is $100,000 a year and your mortgage with principal and interest is $100,000 a year, your DSCR would be 1.0. So I'm looking at a point where my DSCR is, my mortgage is only 100,000 a year, but my NOI is at least 1.5. And after that, I, I mean, I take in, I'm extremely conservative. So I've been taking in, you know, anywhere between five to 8% property management. I'm taking in five to 10% of vacancy and five to 10% of maintenance. So my 
my numbers are a lot more conservative than what some realtor is going to give me. So if some realtor or broker is going to give me their pro forma, I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to beat the shit out of it. I'm going to make it fit my parameters. I'm going to plug it into my numbers. If they say their trash is only $2,000 a year, automatically I know that's bullshit, especially for like a 48 or 50 unit of, pro uh, unit of property. Cause I know right off the bat, it's going to be at least three, maybe even $400 a month in my market. So I'm going to take their pro forma and I'm just going to throw it in the trash because it doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm going to plug my own numbers in. I'm going to call the utility companies on my own. I'm going to get a 12 month average for electric gas, water, trash. I'm going to get the property taxes. I'm going to make up my own property tax uh, escrow. What I think it's going to be after I purchase it for X amount of dollars. I'm going to plug that into my formula and I'm going to see, Hey, <clears throat> day one, I'm going to make in this, the end of year one, I'm going to make in this two, I'm going to be making this and so on and so forth. I love it. And I love the fact that you mentioned, so obviously with pro formas, there's always so much crap on there that you got to get rid of. Um, but I mean, even just as simple as calling utilities, for example, I bought a 10 unit and it had 10 individual trash cans that the landlord paid for. And so the day I closed on the property, I, called the company and said, okay, it's time. And they pulled all 10 individual cans through one dumpster and my utility or my, my trash payment went from like $300 a month to like 160. And I'm like, great. You know, that's, is that, is 140 bucks a huge win? No, but that just jumped the value of the property by five grand in like one move. Yep. Um, and so it's just little things like that, that if you find a mom and pop owner that you could buy from and they were, didn't know or weren't doing, and you can just, squeeze little bits of chunks of change out here and there with little things. It's amazing what you can do to a property's value very quickly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's people don't realize it, but a hundred bucks here and a hundred bucks there. I mean, that adds up and you add that to the NOI. I mean, it, it can literally increase the property value by hundreds of thousands of dollars if you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And a, a perfect example of, I just bought a 15 unit building about a month ago. And I was, you know, this goes back to the Jocko willing part where extreme ownership, I should have taken the initiative to done the due diligence, but I looked over the contract for the laundry service mm. and it was expired. Well, I didn't take a good enough look at it. And I realized the laundry service had expired but there was a revolving contract for every 10 years. If you didn't have it expire or if you didn't cancel within 90 days, it, it uh, revolved another 10 years. So right now I am actually going toe to toe with the laundry service because they're not holding up their part of the contract, but yet, you know, they're wanting me to pay, I think it was $8,800 to get out of my contract, but I've got four machines there and, there's probably 50% of them aren't working. So, <laughs> you know, do your due diligence. Don't listen to your realtor. I mean, I've got a lot of realtor friends, a lot of broker friends. That pro forma worksheet they give you is 99% just bullshit. Do your, do your due diligence. Read over everything. Don't skip everything because eventually that's going to burn you. And if it hasn't burned you yet, I promise you in the future, eventually it is going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's like being in the military, right? Nobody cares about your career more than you do. No one cares about yep. your purchase more than you do. And you best believe that whoever's selling that property 
if given the opportunity to make a little bit of extra money, is going to make a little extra money if that means they have to, oh, yeah, I forgot a couple expenses. Oops. Yeah, I've seen so many different pro formas that didn't have things listed. On. I, I just looked over a pro forma the other day. They didn't even have a vacancy rate in it. They didn't. They, they were selling it at a seven cap. They didn't have a vacancy rate in it. They didn't have a property management uh, percentage in it. They didn't even have a repair and estimate. So what they put into it, they basically put gross rent minus taxes, insurance, and utilities. And that was it. And they were selling it on a seven cap. And I went back to the broker and I said, I mean, this is at a sub three high two cap rate. And I said, this isn't even worth me getting out of bed. Like, don't bother me with this crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, oh man, and the market right now, like in Missouri, there's people asking, you know, I'm in Southwest Missouri, which is a great area, but it's not a high cap area. And I've got, I see properties coming up that are listed at five caps and six caps as B and C class properties. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, nobody pays that kind of a cap rate in this town. What are you asking? But then you start negotiating with the guys and they're not budging. And I realized that there's, there is, even though it's a smaller market there, you know, there's big money everywhere. Right. So there's a couple guys who are just eating the town alive right now and they are paying way more than anything's worth because they're just trying to gain units or whatever. And it's crazy to watch. Like one of them's like the, I don't know for sure, but from what I have been told, it's a, uh, corporation that the Bass Pro basically like, you know, the guys in charge of Bass Pro shops have basically said, ah, we're going to build, buy, buy more of this town because as we're building out the Bass Pro headquarters, the value of the area around us is going to go up. So we want to own everything when that happens. And so they're paying more than stuff's worth because they're going to eventually make it worth that and they're going to reap the benefits. And it's just nuts. You see some of the stuff and you're like, man, how do you not get suckered into that? Cause some of these guys, it's like, there's no way your property's worth that. But if there's nothing for sale, I don't know. It's, it's, been, it's funny to watch the market right now because it's getting kind of crazy on the multifamily level. Yeah, it, I feel like it's overinflated. But that's, I mean, to go on a different tangent, that's where, that's where it's at is where you're getting the off-market deals. You know, you're doing your direct market mailing. You're doing your broker connections. You're doing your meetups. I mean, in, in my market, you do a meetup once a month. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But you meet meet a couple brokers or wholesalers. I mean, they can bring you stuff that's not listed on the MLS or LoopNet. I mean, you spend $20 at the bar buying a guy a couple of drinks and he can bring you a deal that can literally make you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Exactly. But I mean, th that's where it's at is the networking. Whether it's, you don't have to be a social media king like Grant Cardone. You don't have to post every workout, every meal, every car ride on Instagram. Just go to a few meetups Send a few direct mailers. I mean, just just network. Be a nice guy. That's all. That's all you got to do is be a nice guy and talk to people. Network and just just oh, say, hey, goodness. this is what I'm doing. I want to family properties. You know, 36 units or more. If you got anything, give me a call. If you do, you know what? I'll take you out to lunch. Whatever. It's not. It's not. You don't need to spend the five, ten, fifteen grand a month on direct mailers and Facebook ads. We just go out there and talk. You just summed it's up, not hard. You just summed up like my one sentence that I use to tell people is the solution to all of life's problems in the world. And that is just be a good person, right? Like we see all this crazy, and we're not going to go off on this rabbit trail, but you see all this crazy crap all over the news and people are losing their mind about everything. And I'm like, hey, you know, if you 
and everyone else just tried to be a good person and you stopped caring what anyone else said or what anyone else did, and you just tried to be a decent damn person, like, holy shit, imagine what would happen in the world. And I, I was talking about that today at work. I was like, someone was griping about, well, he did what? And I was like, well, what did you do? Like, well, he, like, I didn't ask. I don't care. Just be a good person. Like, I don't care if he was an asshole to you. Like, you know. Exactly. Go, the key to networking is just genuinely being a good person. And holy crap. And, and the thing is, is there, there are so many network events that you can take part in. I mean, I mean, there's like the Bigger Pockets Conference. There's Rod Cleese event. There's, I mean, just get on the Meetup app and you can find meetups real estate meetups in your area or within at least an hour drive. I mean, I live in nowhere, Iowa, and there are two meetups around me that I go to every month. And every time I go, I always meet somebody new that's either, they don't even have to be a broker and bring me deals. They can be a contractor. They can be an insurance agent. They can be somebody that can benefit me. And I'm not always looking to, to gain, gain, gain. I'm always looking to give too. So I'm always helping people on other things. So it, it, I mean, it's not hard. Just go out there find the meetup, introduce yourself and just provide value to other people's or other people. And it will, it will come back to you tenfold. It's, it's like Tony Robbins said, it'll, it'll come back to you no matter what. And if you can't find a meetup, start one. That's what I did in Hawaii and it worked. Exactly. That's what I've done out here already. So, um, but all right. So I always like to ask a couple questions and we're going to dig into some of those real quick. And the first one I like to ask is if a young E1, E2, was to walk up to you asking for advice. You only had a few minutes to give them. What, what, would you, what would you tell them? I would tell them, do not ever take investment advice from somebody worth less money than you. Ooh. I know it sounds egotistical and it sounds big headed, but if somebody who doesn't even have a savings account is telling you what to do with your money and telling you don't buy a house, don't invest in the stock market. It is overinflated. Don't listen to them because you've got E7s and E8s living in the barracks on their second and third divorce who just refinanced their 99 Corolla at 50% interest. But they're out there telling E1s and E2s, don't buy a house because it's a bad time. The interest rates are too high. I mean, that guy, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So don't, don't listen to those type of people out there. Save your money. Don't buy the Mustang at 24% interest at Oorah Motors outside the front gate. <laughs> Save your money. Invest that. Read everything you possibly can because it will eventually help you. It's worth more than a college education. One of my biggest assets in my house is my book collection, whether it's on my bookshelf or on my phone on Audible. That is where I've made, I mean, that is my college education. People will spend fifty to $100,000 going to a school that they hate, learning something that's probably not going to get them anywhere, when all they got to do is get a goddamn library card, and they can do the same thing. But those E1s and E2s are out there, and they're listening to their E7s, E8s, and E9s, not buying a house, living in the bears, because that's what they were told to do. I mean, to, to me, that's the same as an E1 or E2 marrying a stripper than deploying to Iraq and you know, her power of attorney over their financial life. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you're giving somebody the free reigns to your life on that side, but why are you listening to somebody who's living in the BEQ barracks? I mean, it, I don't know. It, it's just common sense. Like, don't listen to those people. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't listen to people who are 
who are not worth money because there's a lot of people out there that are, but you know, if the guy's out there and he doesn't have two nickels to rub together and he's telling you don't buy a house, fuck him. Don't listen to him. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. You wouldn't take advice on sprinting from, you know, the guy who's never been off his couch. Exactly. Awesome. I love I mean, it. The I mean, you got, you got so many UFC fighters that go out there and read the UFC books and watch every MMA fight on the internet. And they're just sitting on their couch. They're saying, Oh, Nate Diaz should have done this or should have done that. I mean, they're just an armchair quarterback. They haven't done anything. They just, they just read a lot and they're telling you what they want to tell. And like that, you pissed off half my audience. I love it. They're all <laughs> every Marine who ever did McMap that's listening to this. You'll know that I, I earned McMap my. Will give you, McMap will give you about enough training to get your ass whipped in a bar. I earned my black belt so I could be promotable, and then I discarded it. And some of the guys listening to this are like, "Well, I'm a triple red tab badass," and I'm like, "That's great." But you know what? The worst part about McMap is trying to remember the names of all our stupid techniques. Because instead of saying, yeah, "They're doing," you know, punch. It's like counter to the rear hand, left side, open stance, punch with the closed fist, and you're like. Why couldn't I just say punch? Like, <laughs> they're the same guys out there doing grippers behind the e-club trying to piss <laughs> off somebody, some officer's wife. So. Oh, man. All right, all right. Um, okay, so what is, what is one resource, book, course, or website that you would recommend to anybody getting started in real estate? Oh, shit. So the cliche thing mm. is obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Behind my head. I mean, you got the purple book to put it up and show everybody. Cause Sitting right that's behind That's probably number one. Yep. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the number one book. I don't know how many times I've given that thing out. Nope. But I would say the other real estate book after that is, it's not really real estate related, but The Next Door Millionaire. I mean, it just tells you how to live your life. Don't be flashy. Live like a normal person and just stash away that cash. I love that book. That's a good one. That's a very good one. And I'll, I'll link for those of you listening. I'll link that in the show notes. All right. Uh, let's see. So before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to add? Any party? Ooh, excuse me. Parting advice or big ideas? Um, go out there and learn. Never stop learning. You know, they always say a good pilot never stops learning. Constantly go out there and there's so much free information out there. Join a mastermind if you can. If you don't have a local meetup group, join a local meetup or join a local meetup group, create one. I mean, if you got to drive an hour, two hours to get to a meetup, I mean, it's, it's going to pay dividends to you over time. Bigger Pockets is a huge, I mean, I don't even work for Bigger Pockets, but it's a huge plug for them. They're such a great resource. There's so many great websites out there that will teach you how to buy real estate and you don't have to spend 15, 20 grand on their courses. Uh, find a mentor. I mean, just get on the county assessor site in your local area and get on, get online and find who owns the most properties. Go take them out for a drink or buy them lunch. I mean, they'll, I don't know any real estate investors that are dickheads and don't want to take you out to eat and they won't share their information with you. It's such a good giving community. Don't be scared to do, to ask questions and, you know, pick their brain for information. Don't harass them. But on the other hand, I mean, send them an email, text, call. I mean, whatever you got to do, there's, there's limitless information out there. And 
people just seem to not want to grab a hold of it and go because they're, I don't know if they're scared or they're embarrassed or what, but there's so many people out there that are ready to help you. And it's not hard. I mean, it is, it's not hard at all to get into real estate investing. There's so easy nowadays, especially with the information online. Absolutely. All right. So Matt, before we close this up, where can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? I'm on Facebook. I am on Instagram. Uh, my holding company is tripleholdings.com. I'm on Bigger Pockets. All right. Easy day. I will, uh, I'll link to all those as well in the show notes so that people can reach out. And uh, yeah. Matt, I really appreciate you joining us today. This has been freaking awesome. I love the house hacking apartment. So cool. And a lot of cool new terms in here. So a lot to dig through. I really, really appreciate it. I loved it, man. It was, it was a good time being on here. Right on. Thanks, brother. Semper Fi. Peace out, man. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.